telling the story of my father's life, it's impossible to separate fact from the fiction, the man from the myth. The best I can do is to tell it the way he told me. If there was one thing you can say about it, boom, boom. Was that I was intended for larger things. I was the biggest thing Ashton had ever seen. From the imagination of director Tim Burton. Most men, they'll tell you a story straight through. It won't be complicated, but it won't be interesting either. Did you ever think that maybe you're not too big? But maybe this town is just too small? They say when you meet the love of your life, time stops. And that's true. Your mother was never supposed to marry me. She was engaged to somebody else. Forget it, kid. Don't waste your time. She's out of your league. You don't even know me. Sure I do. You were hot stuff back in Hickville. Edward Blue! But here in the real world, you got squat. Now, I may not have much, but I have more determination than any man you're ever likely to meet. Sandra Templeton, I love you, and I will marry you! I was drying out. <laughs> Dad, I have no idea who you are. What do you want, Well, Who do you want me to be? Just yourself. Just show me who you are for once. Discover an adventure as big as life itself. In telling the story of my father's life... Bravo, Cody, go! ...doesn't always make sense. That's what kind of story this is. Hello, welcome to episode 10 of the Monday Morning Critic. Today's episode is entitled Big Fish, and that is absolutely in honor of our guest today, Mr. Daniel Wallace. Uh, Daniel is an author. Uh, some of his books include Ray in Reverse, The Watermelon King, his newest book, which is Extraordinary Adventures, which is about a man named Edsel Bronfman, who works as like a shipping clerk, and he wins a ch- uh, just this beautiful trip of a lifetime, all expenses paid. The only trick is this kind of introvert has to find a way of bringing someone with him. That's the only way he can claim the prize. Sounds super interesting, and that is something I'm I'm absolutely going to read. Uh, Daniel's most, uh, I would say, popular work to date is a book called Big Fish, which is one of my all-time favorite books, which was made into a movie by Tim Burton under the same name, Big Fish. This is in my top three to top five all-time favorite movies. Um, it will tug at your heartstrings. It'll make you think about your father. It'll make you think about your family. It, th- this movie really makes you think about life. And I believe the book does the same, but they do it in a different way. And I don't want to give away too much, but if you if you have, you know, um, a, a moment and you love reading, I cannot recommend daniel wallace's works enough especially big fish start from there and and work your way around to everything he's done he's got a really unique way of approaching writing he's got a really unique way of telling a story 
and um, I love listening to him today. And as I as I said, today's interview is a little bit different in the sense that usually I kind of have the guest on and we go from there. I wanted to preface this and edit it a little bit and kind of go into what Daniel's life has been uh, up to this point to some degree. So um, Daniel was born in Alabama. He currently lives in um, North Carolina um, where he teaches at UNC Chapel Hill, a phenomenal school. I mean, I can't even imagine having a professor that has pumped out fantastic books like he has, never mind one of the best stories of all time, uh, certainly in the last 20 years, no question about it. Um, he, like As I said, Daniel was born in Alabama. His first job was as a vet assistant. And um, Daniel's father, which the book is, <laughs> this is such a tricky way of explaining this, which the book is kind of about, um, made, he was a self-made man who worked in the import-export field. And I believe he resided in Japan, and, and, and Daniel was supposed to go into the family business. And Daniel kind of says to his dad, I, I, I really don't want to do this. My dream is to be a writer, and if I, I'm probably paraphrasing that, but, but the gist of it is correct. And his father is not happy. And they stopped talking. So I'm going to start the interview with Daniel explaining, you know, what happened from that moment on. And I'm going to air the interview from here on out. I'm going to share with you my final thoughts after the interview is over. I hope you enjoy it. I found Mr. Wallace to be a gentleman, a class act, a wonderful human being supremely talented and just a really really good man um i hope you enjoy the interview and we'll talk in a bit and uh, he wanted me to come in to the business with him at some point and i worked for him for many different uh many different jobs over many years from high school and summers and then after i left UNC in 82, I went to Japan to work for that arm of the company as a kind of a test to see if it were something that I might be interested in doing for the long haul. And I really wanted to be able to like it enough to do it, but it turned out that it just wasn't for me. So that's when I left and started writing when I was around 24. And you have this, and you have what many people go through that kind of follow their dreams. It wasn't just, okay, I, you know, Dad, I don't want to join you in the family, you know, the import-export business, and then you hop right on into, you know, a, a successful writing career. You, you kind of went through a time where you had to, you were, you were still paying your dues, and you were still working odds and end jobs to kind of get that done. Is that is that a fair way of putting it? Well, yeah, because I started out writing short stories, and that's really not the road to riches, but it's, you know, a good way to learn how to write. So I was writing for a really long time. I wrote five novels that went unpublished. And then in, when I was 38 or 39 is when Big Fish came out. So between starting and um, getting my first real publication, I had to do um, lots of different things just to 
get by, you know, working at bookstores, and I was an assistant director for a literacy council, and uh, for the most part lived alone, so my, my cost uh, of living was very, very low, so um, I was able to do that. And then I then I had a, a an illustration business with my first wife, and we sold refrigerator magnets for the most part, mm-hmm. and made a living doing that for six or seven years. Is it is it common for a writer to also be able to illustrate? Is that I would think those are two kind of different sets of skills. Um, is that is that common amongst the 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 world of you know authors and writers? It's, well, it's not uncommon. Uh, there. Uh, a lot of writers um, who draw or sketch or kind of doodle. Um, I mean, I'm, one of my favorite authors when I was growing up was Kurt Vonnegut, and he wrote some of his books, um, at least one of them, Breakfast of Champions, had little doodles that he did in it. And um, I, 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 I'm not you know, that good. I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I just enjoy doing it. And, uh, the, my lack of proficiency is actually this reason people like it. It kind of has a folk art feel to it. It just means that I you know, can't draw, but, uh, it's, it's fun. And, and I don't have standards uh, the way that I have for my writing, right. which, you know, is a very, um, arduous, a process to get it the way I want it, and my drawing doesn't demand that sort of thing because I don't expect anything of myself. I got you. I got you. And let me ask you: So you work in a bookstore for a while, and and do you learn anything? Like as far as okay, I've read this book by so and so, and I kind of appreciate the way he does this or she does that. Is it does it prove to be more than just a, um, I guess, a, a way to pay, make ends meet? Does it does it do you see what I'm saying? Does it, in a way, do you, yeah. do you learn from that? Well, I, I, I actually think it's, it's, it is possible to learn uh, with, through doing anything. Right. Uh, that's the great thing about being a writer is that everything you do contributes to it. There were um, a bookstore is a great place for a writer to work because if you're a writer, you 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 love books, but not just your books, and you want to share them with people, and you have that opportunity to um, be a salesperson, but one who really cares about what they're doing. Uh, the, the books that you sell at, at a bookstore are much more contemporary than, than the books that you would be reading in order to, to learn structure or style um, but I did read a lot of the newer books that came out and uh, I needed to see what was being published now what, what writing was like now because people don't write like Herman Melville or William Faulkner that's a good so, point yeah. you know and so I'd, I'd read these newer books and, and see what the going thing was and one of the things I was confused about it I know you had jobs and you were, you were, you, were, you had a, a million things going on here you didn't graduate college until 2008 is that a, a correct step yeah. yeah so what happened is I went to Emory for two years and then UNC for two years but at the end of those four years I didn't have the um, the credits that I needed to graduate and I 
didn't really like college. And so I left because I knew I had this job with my father and I didn't feel like I needed a degree to do that business. If I ended up doing it, he didn't have one. And if I decided to be a writer, I didn't need a degree because you don't need a degree for that unless you go to get an MFA, which I never did. Right. So, so that worked for me for a number of years. I was able to write and publish and uh, support myself for a while. And then wanted to have a job that was a, a little bit more secure because writing is um, could be really great one month, not so great the next. Right. So I I asked folks that I knew at UNC if there was an opening, and one thing led to another, and I and I did get a job, but since I didn't have a degree, I, I couldn't take the job. It was um, for accreditation. You, Everyone who teaches at a public university has to have at least a BA. So I, they allowed me to, to go back to school and complete my credits. And then really the day after I graduated in 2008, I got my job. And, and I think it's – and I only say this. I just think it's ironic because just how things play out, and I'll, and I'll get to that as well. I, and the reason I asked you about the like, the illustration part of it was because the illustration – and there's there's a few different variations on Big Fish. They're all so beautiful, and they complement your writing really well. I mean I know illustration, some people don't give it you know any second thoughts. They're like, oh, it's just the cover of the book. I know, I, I think it's – I think it's a, you have some pretty. There's some pretty special um, illustrations on Big Fish, and I, I just I, I really find it re- really just a wonderful compliment to your writing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so okay. So one of the things I had to ask you was um, you're now a you're now a professor at UNC Chapel Hill. Yeah. So. How, does the t- I mean I gotta believe it. It does. I mean I can't imagine having a professor like you. I mean, and, and what I'm saying when I say that is. You've actually gone out there and done it, and many professors have, you know, added to different areas in their fields. But are your students impressed with that? Are they like, yeah, like our professor is a legit? Like I can't imagine. Like I had some great professors, and I they were wonderful people. But I can't imagine having a professor that was behind or the foundation for one of my favorite movies of all time. I can't. I can't even fathom that. Well, it it's a help as a teacher because. One of the things you have to establish, especially in uh, in, a, in a writing class, is why are you teaching me how to write? Who, what, are, what what have you done that uh, gives you um, this special knowledge that you can share? And, and so you have to, as a teacher, if you come in with this blank slate for the with the students anyway, you have to prove yourself initially and get their confidence. And with, 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 since I have a higher profile than a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, creative writing teachers, that allows me to come in on the very first day and people, the students, respect me and, and are much more liable to get in line behind me than they might be otherwise if, say, I, I hadn't published a, a well-known book. So it really is helpful in that regard, but, uh, but I don't think they're odd, you know, in any way. Um, I don't, <laughs> I kind of wish they were a little bit more. <laughs> I mean, I gotta tell you, I, I certainly, I certainly would be, I mean, I, I don't know, like I view movies differently, I suppose. I mean, I, 
I, ever since I've, I've been a baby, I, I mean, I've loved, lo- I mean, I've been hooked on cinema and television, and a lot of this podcast revolves around the writers that make it happen, because I believe people overlook writers. I believe it's a, it's a real, it's a, it's not problematic, but it's a, it's people's kids, people need to kind of redirect their focus at times. Movies just don't happen, and that's kind of one of the big things here, and I mean, I got to imagine your class, especially with creative writing, my goodness, like, it doesn't get any more creative than Big Fish. Well, um, you know, every, every, this Big Fish is clearly a book that uh, thrives on larger-than-life stories and folktales and myths and that sort of thing. So it, it does come across that way. But every book um, has, um, you know, it has to adhere to... Um, the story it's trying to tell and the way that it's trying to tell it. And my most recent book, the one that's coming out, is not like Big Fish um, in that way. It's not a mythic kind of book, but it's still one that, in order for me to live up to what it asked of me, demanded the same amount of creativity and, and um, chutzpah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I have to say, you know, Big Fish you released in 98. Am I, is, that a, is that fair? Yeah. It, wow, and and I have to say, so we, we you have this novel, you release it, and then you have a man named John August who plays a a big part in getting that book made into a screenplay. Is that is that accurate and fair to say? Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, it wouldn't happen have happened without him. I I just think it's fascinating the rapport that you guys have in a sense that here's your beautiful book that you've created around your child napping and your father's life and. I, I just can't get over how special people don't realize how your book was made. I mean, you've said it before, but it's it's incredible. It's truly incredible. Well, it, things things that happen really quickly uh, never really happened that quickly because there um, there was fourteen years of of work that didn't work out before I wrote this book. And so uh, what it essentially did, all those failures uh, um, were successes in as much as they eliminated um, possibilities for me and narrowed um, the possibilities um, for me and what I could do as a writer. And so the failures really created the success. Yeah, and it, it, there's no question. It, it definitely doesn't happen overnight. And you could tell, I mean, just from your writing that it's, it, it looked like it, it felt that there's a lot of time put into this just simply of the, fa- the nature of the book. But I also feel the way the book was put together was really appealing to the man who directed the movie, Tim Burton. I really think that added to the fact. I, I, think, he, that, I think he found that fact appealing that, you know, this is how it's segmented and I mean, is do you agree with that, or is it? Do you think he just? Well, I will have to. I mean, and, and this is no. There's no way that you would know this, um, but I am certain that Tim Burton never read the book. Really, I, I thought for sure he would have. I mean, I know John August read it, and then John August would have gone from there and, and done their screenplay. Sure, sure. John August had to have read it, and he read it probably you know many times, and uh, we talked about it a lot um, as he was writing it. So. Um, so what John August did, um, as you um, you know were well aware, I'm sure um, he wrote a screenplay which were basically directions on how to make a movie, and they don't always stand up on their own. You 
most people don't sit around reading screenplays for pleasure as they, the way they would for books. So when you write these directions on how to uh, how the movie is supposed to be made, it doesn't help to have a second set of directions. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's confusing, and uh, the adaptation, the nature of adaptation is one in which you take a, a, a work and make it your own. You don't slavishly um, just turn a novel into, take a novel format and turn it into a screenplay format. You reimagine it, and so the story, Big Fish, is, that's on the screen is John's story and certainly obviously never would have been written without my book but it's no longer by me and so it's not my movie so there would be no reason for him to read the book see that's the only thing i will ever disagree with you or anybody else i think this movie is all because of you because without your foundation I mean, it's very similar to, like, I love The Shawshank Redemption, I love The Green Mile, but without Stephen King, we're not talking about those movies. So I feel like... Yeah, in that sense, in that, in that sense, it's, you're, you're right, Big Fish wouldn't exist without me, but the, the process of adaptation, you have to kind of eat the book and then uh, regurgitate it into yeah. your, own, your, own, your own thing, and so... It, it's it's definitely it's it's one of those catch twenty two situations, but uh, John is an artist and he brought his art to the adaptation. So so let me ask you like are are there times where a screen well, John kind of took your book and said you know what and, and, and I know there I, I thought I read this that there's stuff that he may have cut out. I know there's stuff that he added in. I mean, there's one thing that I did like that he did was the Steve Buscemi character, how he kind of, he, he took that and ran with it. I mean, it's mentioned in your book, but right. what he does with it, and I don't want to, there's still people that, I hope, I mean, a half million people have rated this movie. I hope people have seen it. But he just takes it and your character and goes with it. Yeah, well, he does that in, in many instances. He takes he takes a line or two and enlarges upon it. He took the giant in the book and made a circus out of him. And so there, there are lots of little things that he took from the book that he completely changed. Right. Are, are there things that happen, uh, Daniel, that you're like, ah, oh, geez, I, w- I would have liked if that stayed in there. I would have, that would have been great if that remained in the movie. Yes, but only in a precious way. Yeah. Uh, in a way that, um, there was a scene I might really like, and and I would have loved to have seen that on film, but not in any kind of serious artistic way. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. When when I see your book, I feel like it's broken down into four things. I feel like it's broken down. I feel like it's broken down into your life story. I feel like it's broken down into uh, the movie. I feel like it's broken down into the musical. I feel like it's. It's just, you know, your life, it's the movie, it's the novel, it's the musical. There's so many ways this book goes, and that's not usually what happens with a book. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't, you don't see many books made into a musical and a movie, and it's, it's, it's rarefied air at that point. Sure, yeah, it's, uh, there are very few books um, that's happened to you. And, and one of the things that, you know, just looking at your life was, um, do you, you know, is... How much of your your father is in um, uh, 
the, the um, Albert Finney's character, how much of your when you watch it, do you see your father? Do you or do you see like a do you see parts of your father in him? Do you see a glimmer, a glimpse? Mm-hmm. How does that? I, I, I don't. Yeah, it's it's again a kind of a transmogrification. Uh, there's the the basis of the the man in the book and in the movie are are um, it's sort of what, almost like what you were just saying uh, that he couldn't have existed without my father, but he's not my father. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my father um, was you know much much more um, explosive, you know, heavy drinker, uh, smoker, um, kind of body, and uh, the character in uh, the movie touches on those things and kind of plays with it, and he's that way in a playful way, but uh, my dad had an edge to him that the character in the book um, and the movie and the musical uh, don't have. Yeah, there's a few places the movie goes to a point and it stops where your book continues to go with that plot. You know, you're, you yeah. know, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm, I don't want to go too far into what those are because if people haven't read your book, they're missing out big time on on Big Fish. Um, so I'll ask you the same question in your way: Is there? Do you see any of yourself in um, in, in Will? I do. Um, there's whether a writer knows it or not. Uh, and, and a lot of times they don't when they're actually doing the, the work, but they're part of of all the characters. And Will in this book, especially, um, is is um, is a re- sort of a reflection of of myself. And as much as I did wonder who my father was and wanted to know who he really was, and uh, Will. Is the person in the book who who poses those questions? So, and you know, and then and my my relationship with my dad was contentious, not um, in any way that's probably different to, um, than a lot of people who have um, interesting relationships with their dad, and I don't think that that's portrayed uh, in the book as much. A little bit in the movie. You know, there's a there's a schism that happens, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, if I'm writing about a father, any father, he's going to be based on my father in some way, and if I'm writing about a son, he's going to be drawn from me in some way. There's just no way to get around that, at least for me. Yeah, and I have to say, on, on a, it's like it's physically impossible for me to watch this movie and not completely break down. I mean, I was watching it on the treadmill today. I, I had to step off. I can't, I, I can't, I don't, it's got to be a father-son thing. I don't know what it is, but this movie tugs at my heartstring like no movie ever created. And that, that's all based because of you and your book and your phenomenal creativity. Well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, um, so I do, there's a part of the movie where I always think of you, and that's that sounds awkward, but there's a scene where Dr. Bennett is talking to um, uh, Will, and he he's saying, you know, geez, the version of the the big fish story in your father, I, I would have loved to have gone with that one. And, I, and I'm paraphrasing. And then and then you know, Will was like, geez, I, I would have just liked to have seen my dad, something to that effect. And that's the scene I really feel like that would have been you. That would that was really dead on you. Am I wrong by assuming that? I think it's less me uh, and more. 
core of the story. So uh, you take this, you know, the elements that you that you have um, from experience and mold them so that they fit the story that you're trying to tell. And uh, that line, I think, um, in a really, really succinct way, sums up what is going on. You know, and that the the son just wants to know the dad, um, regardless yeah. of of all the wonderful stories that he told. Yeah, they're great, but they're uh, essentially um, they are essentially unreal. And and there's this uh, soul um, that's presented to the son, at least initially in the in the in the book in the movie. You know, it's a musical too, but. Um, eventually, uh, in all three of these things, the, the son uh, does accept his dad as he is, and uh, just as he wants to be accepted for who he is, and that is, in the end, all you can really do. You can't you can't change people. Yeah, and that's a great point. And, and I have to say, there's so many times where I want to call this a biography or an autobiography, and, and I stop myself. But I, you said something. I think it was in the New York Times, and you said that you didn't realize how much you were actually writing about your own father. As time passes, do you see this as just two very different entities, your book and the movie, or three, I should say, the musical as well? Or do you see it, the more time goes by, do you see, you know, maybe this was pretty darn close to my life. Maybe this is. I mean, I know there's parts of, you know, where, where they stop in the movie and they don't continue on of, of, you know, maybe what your dad was, you know, things he struggled with, but... Does, what does time do for you when it comes to your work in, in the movie? And you do see more, uh, more of yourself um, as time goes by in the stories because when you're writing the stories, you don't want to think of yourself as much. You want to think of the fictional characters. And the story that takes place... Um, with those characters has to be independent. So years pass sometimes with all of my books when I can look back and see, oh, this is about my sister, and I didn't even know it while I was writing it. Mm. So those things do happen. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and you know, one of the things is in the you are in the movie, and, and, and people sometimes yeah. don't mention that. You ironically play a professor, which I was thinking about today. I'm like, it's funny how that works out because that's pretty true to life. Um, I I do have to say, you know, in in that same, I think, New York Times interview, you you know, you were asked if you adored your father, and then you kind of replied, you know, that's not the word I would pick. If you had to pick a word that would describe your father, what, what, looking back, what word would you kind of have picked to to do that? Well, is is it is it possible in one word? I mean, maybe that's an unfair question, but I don't know. I don't. I don't think that uh, you can sum up a relationship in of a lifetime in in one word because mm. people are so many different things. I mean, I was awed by him. I was scared of him. I was um, I, I was um, encouraged by him. Uh, you know, I was criticized. By him, so it's 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 a mixed bag, and I did have um, very mixed feelings about him for a long time that have softened throughout the years. 
because mm. I see him uh, as a complex individual and a human being who um, who brings a lot of baggage into his own life. And so it's once you understand somebody, you're much more forgiving. Yeah, and, and I have to say that, um, you know, as time goes on, and you, you, you kind of touched on that, um, you know, Stephen Burton kind of talks about, you know, your, your, uh, Tim Burton talks about your, your, your book as not, neither black or white, and I think you kind of, you, you, don't pull, you don't hide that either. It's kind of a, a gray story. There's no, you know, it's, the, the book is what it is. The movie is what it is. It doesn't claim to be one thing or the other. Would, would you say that's fairly accurate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think that it's a binary uh, proposition at all. Yeah. Um, so, and I, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, um, how do you, how does your family feel about, you know, they sit down, they watch the movie, do they have the same feelings you do? I mean, because they didn't grow up, obviously, with your father. I mean, your son obviously wasn't around when your dad was born, uh, when he was born. So what is... What is? How does your family feel about that? Do you mean my um, biological family who did know my dad? Or? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess anybody. Like, I, I guess your current family, your biological family. How do how do they feel about the the work itself? A- anybody that's close to you. How do is it is it a is it a, a, a gamut of emotion or a big range of emotions? Like, how do they? No, no, it's it's, it's all just um, a bunch of clapping and cheering. Really, you know, it's uh, they. They, nobody, um, nobody except my stepmother has ever disagreed with any judgment that I've made of my dad. You know, every, people who grew up with him knew him. And so they understand what I was trying to get at. Right. And, um, and I guess this is another impossible question I'm going to ask you. Why do you think people relate to a movie like that? They look at your book. They look at this. Is it is it the father son rapport? Is it just being moved? Is it, you know, it's hard to put a finger on it. What if you had to kind of guess to me? What would you say? Well, the fathers and sons are particularly moved by it because um, they see themselves in it, and everybody seems to have somebody in their family who reminds them of the father in the book. So there's that one very personal identification, but there are also the mythic components that um, turn a personal story into something um, maybe bigger than just that. So there's there's that as well. Um, it, it moves people... Um, it also, I think, in this quest for immortality, um, you know, this this hope for uh, greatness, uh, is the the you know the personal failures uh, that they have to endure. Um, it, it touches on a lot of different things, and um, I didn't really mean for it to. I didn't think about it as doing that while I was writing it. It just turned out that way. Daniel, what do you think your dad would have thought of Albert Finney's portrayal of him if he was alive and saw the movie? What do you, what do you, how do you think he would have felt? And I know your dad was a was a he, he was definitely the title of your movie, A Big Fish. He, he you know, in your book, you kind of talk about that. You in interviews, you've talked about that. How do you think he would have felt of Al, Albert uh, Finney's portrayal of his life? I think he would have loved it. I think he would have loved the he would have loved the success um, more than anything. The, that I was making a living as a writer, you would have loved that. And 
knowing that he was the inspiration for it, uh, would have, uh, he would have embraced it. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, so, I read somewhere where it took you four times watching it where you finally were like, this is really, this is something I really, I, I like. Is So you watch it for the first time, are you, what's that like? I mean, you're seeing your your work on the, you know, well, it's your work and it's John August's work, I, I should correct myself, but what do you, like, what's going on in your head when you're watching your life on the, on the big screen? I mean, that's got to be surreal in many ways. Initially it was when I first saw the first the, the movie when it was um, finished, it, it, it was jarring uh, because you, everybody imagines a different book when they're reading it. Every reader creates moments in their own mind that look a certain way. And a movie nails those moments down in a very particular way. So if you wrote the book, it's, I did. I I had imagined things being different and not better, just different. Right. So so it's so it is jarring, and it's hard to see it as just a piece of work uh, initially. But over the you know many times that I've seen it, I mean, I would say the fourth or fifth time I watched it, uh, that I was able to 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 see it as, as, as the thing that it was and not, um, as my vision, but, um, as a, as a, as really at that point of the vision of John and, and Tim Burton. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, you know, um, you, you, you've spoken about with your, with your father is, you know, um, your father had a quadruple bypass, correct? Yeah. Is, is, I guess is your the way your dad passed on. Um, is it similar to the way you know um, uh, the Albert Finney passes on in the movie? Is it is is there? A, I mean, outside of the fact that you know there, there was surgery involved, uh, uh, you know, being in a hospital involved. Is there yeah. any is there anything else that that stands out there, or is it just is it just kind of the well, only? Well, I wrote the book before he died. Right. Gotcha. But, and, he never, and I didn't publish it before he died, but I wrote it before he died. And he wasn't dying while I wrote the book. Gotcha. Okay. Alive, and so all that was completely made up out of nothing, or uh, it definitely wasn't based on any experience that I had with him. Uh, the the part that you do have in common, though, is um, you know, he was. And if I'm misspeaking here, please correct me. He was heartbroken that you did not go into the family business and that you wanted to follow your passion of of being a writer and an author. Is that correct? Sure. And he was really hurt by that. Yeah. And um, he's very similar in the same way. He did tell tall tales and jokes at home. He was kind of, he's very similar in that way as well. He told, yeah, I mean, he told a lot of jokes. He he didn't tell stories of the kind that you see in the uh book or the or the movie his uh he was a entertainer uh but not a um one of those southern uh elders who would captivate you with um tales of his youth in that respect i mean in a sense he he did the way that many fathers do to their children when they'll say, when I was your age, you know, we didn't have a remote, 
we didn't have a remote for the television. We would have to get up and change the channel and that sort of thing. You know, it was so much harder when I was a kid and um, you had you know, I had to walk to school barefooted and all that sort of thing. But um, so in that sense, you know, he did. But uh, the 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 aspect of the kind of stories that you see in the in these the the renditions um, that are out there um, are um, are a different person in that regard. Yeah, and I personally feel like you don't. I mean, you're a very accomplished writer. Your 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 work is phenomenal. I feel like personally, you don't get enough credit. Like I feel like they talk about this movie, but not only just you, um, Daniel. I feel like overall, people. I don't know. I, I just like. I feel they don't consider how important the writing is and how the foundation that it plays. I mean, it's just a forgotten kind of thing. Like stories just don't happen. You put fourteen years years of your life into this book. I mean. It probably then some. Well, um, no, you're right. I mean, the, especially in, a, in movies, the, the director gets most of the credit, and uh, the writers, the the source writer or the screenwriter even doesn't get as much. So they are at the bottom of the totem pole in that respect. So I have to ask you this. It's very basic, and I know I know you've heard many of these questions time and time again. Is there a scene in the movie that just blows you away, and you've you've fallen in love with that wasn't in your book? Well, the very final scene uh, in the movie, where all the all the people he knew are gathered at the river, mm. uh, that's really powerful. I I, I would call that a pretty accurate word it's it is pretty powerful and and um that's 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 one of the scenes i think that if if people weren't you know over the edge already i think that certainly t- leads them to the edge of of being very emotional that is a phenomenal oh, scene yeah. how about in the book is there a scene or is there a scene that you describe that see i personally there was a scene i believe about um uh, a dog that ate fingers of uh, people that wanted to leave the town of Spectre. Am I right with that? Yeah. And uh, that would have been nice to see. In, I mean, that was. I mean, I know it, it plays out in other ways, I guess, but um, I don't know. I just feel like that was really neat reading that. That was really, really cool reading that. That's pretty creative. Well, well that uh, is really what I was thinking of earlier when you asked about something that I would have loved to have seen in the movie and that I thought, oh, this is going to be great because this will definitely be in the movie. Um, but it wasn't. <laughs> it would have been really funny to see, okay, this guy's tried to left the town quite a few times. This person's pretty pretty content being here, you know. Just a really creative way to approach, you know, that whole town and atmosphere. Well, it was the hero's journey through the underworld that that um, was supposed to represent. Every Greek hero has to go through these, you know, um, do these heroic things, and and many of them go have to go through the underworld. And, and you compare uh, you compare it to Hercules, I think, the, his labors, right? That's that's right. The, yeah, yeah, and that's pretty accurate. I, I would absolutely say that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just I, I, I'm looking here at all your life in general. I mean, it's just. 
not many people can say they've done what you've done. I mean, you've you have a musical. Um, I, I have not seen a musical. Um, is it is it done? Is it come back once in a while? How, what, what is the kind yeah. of situation with the musical? Well, yeah, it's being performed all over the country in different ways um, at community theaters and colleges and and high schools. So I think right now they're um, they're. I mean, there could be, you know, 10 of them going on right now in different places. Wow. Wow. And, and yeah, and, I mean, I just, I mean, you, you are, are you stopped when people find out that, you know, you're the man that wrote this book? Do, do people, you know, talk about, you know, approach you and say, you know, talk about their family situations, their father, how close they were? Does that ever happen to you? Do people kind of, I don't want to say bombard you, but do they kind of open up to you about their lives and their rapport with their dad and, how it, how it kind of unwinded with them. Does that happen to you often? It does. Yeah, it does a lot. Is that a lot of, um, and I mentioned to you off air about, you know, the field, the field of character and field of dreams, and he has people approach him all the time. Is it, is it overwhelming? Is it like, do you feel like you feel the obligation to kind of like listen and, and, and talk to them? How does that, like, I don't know if I call it. No, I'm really, uh, I, I really like that. I really like the fact that, that people, um, want to share uh, their experiences uh, with me? It's really gratifying to know that that that, that it does it has moved people. Uh, so so I um, I would much rather it be that way than the other way, which is you know, nobody mentions your book at all. And, and I think people like they're kind of at times forced to say, "Oh yeah, the book was better than the movie. The movie's better than the book." Blah blah blah. I think you're one of the very few people where they love the book and they love the movie and they love the musical. I mean, it's, 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 you, you never see that people either love the book or they, you know, it's, they're divided. I mean, that's also got to be a compliment to your ability as, as, as a writer and as a, you know, innovator. And I mean, that's, that, that's got to speak volumes to you. Well, it, it's, it, that's why I like the movie because it's, it is a different thing and it's, it's really not something that you can look at and com- directly compare to the book. They exist on their own, and you can like both of them because it doesn't do the book a disservice, but it really um, heightens the experience of the book, I think. Yeah, it's, it certainly does. And um, l- let me ask you one last – I have a few last questions here. What um, – What's the question you get a lot in your class? Is there one question that kind of repeats itself often, you know, as it pertains to writing? And it doesn't have to be necessarily about Big Fish. Do you, is there a question that the that uh, your undergrad, correct? Is the, the, your students yeah. are most yeah. Is there a question that kind of you you, you field often? Uh, uh, well, I mean, writing. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if there's any single single uh, question uh, that 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 young writers bring to a class because undergraduates especially uh, have so much to learn and there there's so many questions there's just an infinite number of uh, questions that they they have to ask and many of them uh, really it's it has have to do with with creating um, character and plot and meaning and having it all come together as a as one thing so it's it's a it's a really um arduous and um demanding 
uh, thing to to do, especially, and I think as a undergraduate. And, and I, I think I know I've seen many of your favorite writers, and and they're they're phenomenal. Are there movies that you like that move you to kind of you know? Um, are you a big movie guy? Or are you just you know? Do you just find yourself kind of in the in the world of you know writing and, and, and books and so forth? Are are there movies that you love that you you know that you cherish and on that uh, end? Well, yeah, there are a ton of movies I like, and I watch a lot of movies and television, so it's um, so it is part of my life. Um, and uh, we were just talking about this the other night, and talking about Cinema Paradiso as being a really, really beautiful seminal movie. But I also like something um, like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is to me is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, Jim Carrey's phenomenal, and, and Jim Carrey's one of those few people that you know he's 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 he got a great sense of humor, but when he has to put when you put him in a drama, a Truman Show, um, you know what, what you just mentioned, um, he's just he's phenomenal. The way these people can kind of turn it on and off, and uh-huh. yeah, it's it's really amazing. Um, Daniel, I have to tell you, I was in Georgia. Um, I want to say I was in the south south for the first time in a long time in October. And I have to tell you, Southern hospitality is a, is a real thing, and you're an absolute gentleman for coming on today and just discussing your book. And I'm sure you fielded a lot of these questions before, but you are really a, um, a, a wonderful and creative person. And the fact that you came on today, I, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, and, and if people out there, um, Big Fish is available anywhere. Um, is it uh, Extraordinary Ventures? Is your newest one coming out? Yeah, it's coming out May thirtieth, actually. And I just purchased. I purchased three. I'm I, I'm about to get started with Ray in Reverse and the Watermelon King. I am very excited. You are responsible for one of my top three movies of all time, and. Um, you are you are a wonderful gentleman, and you are a, a class act, Daniel. And I cannot thank you enough. Well, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Terry. So that was my interview with Daniel Wallace. I hope you liked it. Um, the, the man is simply just a great guy, and I can't say it enough. Responsible behind one of the best movies in history. I did bring up earlier a scene with Doctor Bennett and um, Billy Crudup's character, Will. And I did want to put, play play you that scene. It's about a minute. Um, it, it's it, it the visuals don't really kind of matter in this particular instance, but I'd like to play it for you and kind of give you an idea of what I was trying to uh, convey. Your father ever tell you about the day you were born? Yeah, a thousand times. He, he caught an uncatchable fish. Not that. The rail story. He ever tell you that? No. Well, your mother came in about uh, three in the afternoon. Her neighbor drove her on account of your father. Was away on business in Wichita. You were born a week early, but there were no complications. It was a perfect delivery. Your father was sorry not to be there. But it wasn't accustomed then for men to be in the room for deliveries. So I can't see how it would have been much different had he been there. And that's the real story of how you were born. Not very exciting, is it? And I suppose if I had to choose between the true version and an elaborate one involving a fish and a wedding ring, I might choose the fancy version. But then that's just me. I kind of liked your version. 
You know, when when you think Tim Burton, you think, you know, bleak and these scary kind of movies. And this is kind of outside his zone a bit in the sense that it's just... I I I I lack the proper vernacular for to describe this movie. It's just beautiful. It's wonderful. I this is one of those movies you watch a million times and in the same way you watch Shawshank a million times, you still feel the emotions don't go away. I'm as emotional about this movie as the first time as I am the thousandth time. And we have Daniel Wallace to thank for that because like Stephen King, you know, if we didn't have Stephen King, we wouldn't have The Green Mile or Shawshank, you know, without Daniel Wallace. We're not, we, we're, we're not talking about Big Fish. Um, I can't thank him enough. I can't. Everything about this is beautiful and um, really makes me proud. Um, I do want to play a final clip from the movie Big Fish. Um, I want to play you a scene that Will... Um, is talking about kind of just he summarizes the movie and um, just really a very sweet um, emotional scene have you ever heard a joke so many times you've forgotten why it's funny and then you hear it again and suddenly it's new you remember why you loved it in the first place so he said he'll fight the giant with 15 feet tall no way dad that's right in this Pretty much. See? So he was a giant. That was my father's final joke, I guess. A man tells his stories so many times that he becomes the stories. They live on after him. And in that way, he becomes immortal. finally here's to any storyteller writer author teacher professor that has made you fall in love with the art of writing the art of storytelling has gotten you hooked on books has gotten you hooked on movies has gotten you hooked on just the art of storytelling the art of um, creating something out of nothing and at the end of the day has you hanging on the edge of your seat those are the people uh, that I love the most, the ones that can captivate and, and, and take your mind places that not many other people can. Uh, I thank you for listening to the podcast. I thank you for, for listening to my interview. I thank Daniel Wallace um, about a thousand times, and I mean it every single time. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Next week will be episode 11. Um, Please follow me on Instagram at Monday Morning Critic or email me at Monday Morning Critic at gmail.com. Um, and thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It's absolutely one of my favorites. Thanks, everybody.